This is from the Tao Te Ching, number 57. If you want to be a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. The more prohibitions you have, the less virtuous people will be. The more weapons you have, the less secure people will be. The more subsidies you have, the less self-reliant people will be. Therefore, the master says, I let go of the law and people become honest. I let go of economics and people become prosperous. I let go of religion and people become serene. I let go of all desire for the common good and the good becomes as common as grass. Thank you, Tom. Well, this is the first of three messages that I'm going to be giving uh, in and around Gift Day, which we're going to have next week. And on your seats uh, is an envelope which you can use to make your contribution. Either uh, bring it next week, or if you're not going to be around, you can sort of post it to us. We're aiming to raise $70,000 during this appeal, and we've already had someone start us off with $10,000 donation, uh, which is fantastic. Well, this is a bit of a time for anniversaries for me. Would you believe it? Today is the 40th anniversary of when I actually first stepped out and decided to embark upon the sort of spiritual journey uh, of my life. Uh, when I decided to commit myself full time you know, to the whole idea and take it up as a profession. Um, you all probably know by now, but I'd originally worked in advertising. But then after a series of experiences, um, I decided that really this is what I should be doing. And in, in 1979, uh, October really, I began as a trainer in a self-awareness organization, a bit like EST, uh, and stayed there for about 14 years and, and then went into the church. So it's 40 years in all uh, today. And in a couple of weeks, it's going to be the fifth anniversary of myself and Heather and the family uh, arriving here in Aspen. We came into the country um, legally on November, <laughs> November the 4th. I have to say that. <laughs> on November the 4th, uh, 2014. So I've been doing this now for five years. How time flies when you're enjoying yourself. And you know, it's interesting to see how people react to you, you know, when you take up a post like this. You know, to begin with, people are curious. They want to see who you are. They want to see what you're doing. There's an idea, you know, that this guy, you know, might change things for me. I want to really move my life in a completely different direction. And then gradually, you find out that, you know, it's just like anybody else. And, you know, nothing much changes. And the curiosity of what's on offer here tends to sort of, grow a bit less. And almost after five years, you know, the magic seems less. And you know what? You know, in this whole game of personal transformation, the thing we have to get, and I know you know this, 
The thing we have to get is that it's not about the person up the front. It's not about the person up the front. Yes, it helps if I'm able to deliver interesting and entertaining messages and do a bit of spiritual stand-up and all that sort of business. But really, you know, that is the least of it. The one thing that will affect personal transformation and corporate transformation and make a contribution to the evolution of consciousness itself, the one thing that will do that is you and your intention and your life and the way that you live your life. You know, that old idea from Gandhi that we've mentioned time and again, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. We look out at people and institutions like the chapel and we think, is it making a difference? Is it really doing anything? Is it going in the right direction? I get letters or, or hear tell of you not quite going in the right direction for me, the chapel. You know, what's it all about? But for me, those are completely the wrong questions. And I'm right here. They're the wrong questions for me. And I'm right here in the middle of it all. You know, I'm doing all this, and those, for me, are the wrong questions. The real question is, for me, am I congruent with what I know to be right living? Personally, am I congruent? Am I living my life out of what I know to be right living? Because if I'm congruent, if I'm congruent, then I know that, all around me will be congruent. If I'm congruent to the way I live my life, then everything else is going to be okay, you know. In that lovely stanza from the Tao Te Ching, that's what it's saying. If you want to be a great leader, and that's all of us, you must learn to follow the Tao. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. The more prohibitions you have, the less virtuous people will be. The more weapons you have, the less secure people you be. The more subsidies you have, the less self-reliant people will be. Therefore, the master says, I let go of the law, and people become honest. I let go of economics, and people become prosperous. I let go of religion, and people become serene. I let go of all desire for the common good. You know, which way, right way, all that sort of business. And the good becomes common as grass. It is... Our being in harmony with the Tao that is important. More specifically, it's me being in harmony with the Tao. At our meditation class uh, uh, that we had on Monday, uh, someone asked me, I, I was, we, we had this reading on Monday, it often happens this, we have a reading and I think, right, that's perfect for Sunday. And we had this reading and uh, someone put their hand up and said, um, what is the Tao? It's a very good question. And of course, it's answered in the very first stanza of the Tao Te Ching, where it says, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. In other words, you, you can't actually put your finger on it because it is beyond our understanding and comprehension. We, we really aren't expected to know that. But as it says in stanza 14 of the Tao Te Ching, it says, you can't know it, but you can be it. 
at ease in your own life. Just realize where you come from. This is the essence of wisdom. And as I said last week, our role is to surrender, surrender, to give, to give up. And in that giving over of our lives, in our giving over of our lives, like we had last week, and if you missed last week, you can, you can find it on the podcast on iTunes, just download that. It's about that giving over of ourselves. We find ourselves. And here at the chapel, I think, we have a group of people, as I look out, who by and large dedicated their lives to this. I look out and most of you, you know, you're here because you've dedicated your lives to this. You're not here because you feel you have to be here because it's a particular religion that demands you're here. You're not here to get all the old traditional stuff so you feel better about it. You're not here. For, you're here because to some extent you've dedicated your lives to this. And, you know, the reason I fitted so well into this when I arrived was because I was saying and doing the things that you were looking for someone to say and do here. I mean, you had a checklist, or Barbara and the, the, the search team, had a, which, <laughs> that's the team that you don't want to hear on the ground. They've started up the search team again. <laughs> that's the threat for me. Anyway, <laughs> the search team has begun again. <laughs> Help. Um, but anyway, you know, it, I'm just saying the things that you, you have wanted me to be saying. You, you know, actually, I, I, I was found to say the things I'm saying. You created a role to be filled with a series of requirements a series of ways that you want something to be, a checklist of theology and practice. And the truth is, I fulfilled them. I say the things that you want me to say, which is great, but, but it's not enough. It's not enough for me to say, just to say all this stuff. Actually, we all have to embody it. We all have to embody it. We all have to actually live congruently to our own lives, to, to, to embody it in our lives. And, you know, we have a perfect chance of doing this. We have a perfect chance of doing this. As I look up, most of you, I think, have done pretty much every course under the sun. I mean, everything. You've all, you've all, you've all lived in California or San Francisco. You've lived in communes. You've done est. You've done insight. You've done everything. You've done centering prayer, contemplative workshops, the wisdom school, you know, all that sort of stuff. You've read all the books. You've actually even got the T-shirts. You've been there. And, and you've done it for most of your life. And here at the chapel, you know, in the chapel, we espouse mostly the values and ideas that you've wanted. You know, the inclusivity, the freedom, the openness to wisdom from all traditions, the idea that consciousness is the foundation of all spirituality. And these things aren't new to most of you. In fact, most of what I say here is nothing new. You know it. You agree with it. And, and you like the fact that I say it in maybe slightly different ways, but, you know, it's okay with you. But is that as far as it goes? Is it enough just to be part of something like this? To hear about it once a week, to chat about it downstairs, and then that's it? I mean, obviously, I don't think so. 
And, and nor do I suspect do you. You know, we are all, looking around, most of us are of a certain age, you know, where we want to see things happen. We don't want to see our communities, our countries, our world go to hell in a handcart. We don't want to see that. We want to see a difference. And that desire for a difference on that level, you know, I think really began in the 60s. It moved through the decades in various forms, and it's still with us today. And to some extent, we represent part of that. We who've ended up in Aspen, you know, in this rarefied pseudo-counterculture outpost, in the mountains, with a mind, body, and spirit ideal, you know, a talking institute, sporty mountains, a spiritual ethos that harks back to the heady days of the 60s and 70s. And, you know, we represent that now here at the chapel. And what we have to ask ourselves, really, is how serious are we about it? Are we looking for it to be a backdrop to our lives so we can feel that to some extent we're still in touch with those values that we held all those years ago? Or are we somehow doing the work at the sharp edge? There's a difference. You know, having it as a backdrop means, yeah, I go to this. I think it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. You know, just to have it as something that is there. Or are we actually working at the sharp edge? Are we actually embodying those values rather than having them just be a comforting backdrop? You know, and I help with that. I come up with staff. I write books about staff. I encourage staff. But the real question is, is how much skin do you put in the game? You know, that old thing about commitment seen through breakfast. You know, our bacon and eggs. The pig's committed. The hen is not. <laughs> the pig's committed with bacon and eggs. The hen is not. And are you happy just to lay eggs here on a Sunday? for others to consume, or are you in it for the long haul? You know, last week we talked about being in it to the death. And this week I'm applying that to the values that we talk about here. You know, are we in it to the death? Am I in it to the death? Or am I going to say, oh, this is just so awful. Oh, I don't want to carry on, you know. Let me go and be a chaplain in a school in England. You know, whatever preference I might have. Let me go and do, you know, why am I really in it, you know, to the death, to actually make it happen? Are we also, you know, we, we talk about values and, you know, applying them, but are we willing to live them? Are we willing to take up the axiom of today's reading? If you want to be a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. You must stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. Are we really up for committing to that? Can you really live like that? Can you not look out and say, I'm happy at the chapel because they're talking about the values that I hold dear? but instead say that I'm living out the values that I've always held dear in my life. And because of that, I've been drawn to the chapel where others are also living out those values. 
All of which I think poses quite a question, which is, is what we're doing here important? Is what we're doing here important? You know, could it be the culmination of the aspirations that you've held all your life? Because we don't know the effect we're going to have in the future. We, we've no idea what effect we're going to have in individually or corporately. You know, that, that's beyond. You know, like that old Chairman Mao thing when he was asked what he thought of the French Revolution. He said, it's too early to tell. You know, we, we don't know what effect we're going to have. Could you see that you've come to a place where those around you are there because they've stopped trying to control, that they've let go of fixed plans and concepts? in the understanding that there's an order at the center of all life that is resolving the violence in the world and that we are a part of that order that is resolving the violence in the world. And if so, are you willing to bet your life on that to the death? Because I am. Or are you just coming to church so that you can go home feeling better than you do that if you've gone to the J bar for a drink or, you know, or wherever. You see what I'm getting at? I don't care which, I don't care which direction the chapel's going. I don't. I don't care, you know, if those around me are nice or doing the right thing or agreeing with me or are buying my books or not or are committed or not because I know that I'm trying to live my life according to the values that I've spent 40 years uncovering from myself. And you know, that is enough. It's enough for me to know that I'm doing that. I don't care because that's enough for me. That is all that counts, really. It's enough for me that I'm committed to the death to those values in my own life. Because if you want to be a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. You must stop trying to control And I see my role is to die to each moment as it comes, to surrender my life, to do my work and step back, to experience the peace of not trying, and to have the compassion for life and for all that comes with it, to have a compassion for life. It's an individual stance that reflects an understanding that all I can do All I can do is to fall into the depths of my life, to allow myself to fall into the depths of my life, into the deep connectivity of all things. And as Julian of Norwich says, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. It's a radical stance to life and it is the heart of what the community of the chapel is all about. It's not just a group of people that come to church. It's a group of people, some of whom are living their lives from a position of radical unattachment and some of whom are aspiring to. Some of whom are living their lives from a position of radical attachment and some of whom are aspiring to. That being the case, I want to put the hypothesis forward that the chapel is important in the scheme of things. It's an experiment in radical living in a moderate way. Radical living in a moderate way. And by that I mean it's a radical way of living that does not make other people wrong for not living that way or tries to force others to live in the same way. It is, I hope, gentle. 
It is gentle. Because as the Tao says, the gentlest thing in the world overcomes the hardest thing in the world. That which has no substance enters where there is no space. This shows the value of non-action, teaching without words, performing without actions. This is the master's way. And I'm suggesting that the chapel and the way that we live is worthy of your highest support because what we're doing is important. We don't know how important, we probably will never know in our lifetimes. But I think that a great many of us deep down know that we are individually living something and learning something that is of great relevance to the world. And if we could manifest it in a way that is demonstrable, perceivable, and comprehensible, demonstrable, perceivable, and comprehensible, then we could join up with others around the country and the world and demonstrate a better way to live. Demonstrate a better way to live. We pushed out at the chapel this year more than we've ever done before. And I'll talk a bit more about that next week. But we do need your radical support to keep the momentum going, both in the way that you live and in the way that you give. Our family, Heather and I, you know, we're going to be putting our money where our mouths are. And I hope that you will do the same during this gift day. So please do consider giving to this gift day in a wildly uncontrolled way so that we can continue to live these wild, uncontrolled lives. Let's pray. So as we think about the nature of leadership, we do pray for our leaders in the world today. We pray for a spirit of humility and love, of discernment, of understanding, of compassion, of a realization of something greater than themselves, of the facilitation of the love in the world. We pray for all individuals who are able to lead, whether in positions of leadership or not, that you will give them the ability to discern, be compassionate about life and lives around them, to live a radically uncontrolled lives. We pray for those who are suffering at this moment, particularly in war zones in Syria, Peru, all over the world where there is difficulty, people living under unjust regimes, people living in unjust circumstances, we pray we may be appropriate for them. Pray for those who are homeless, particularly in this cold, those who are hungry, those who can't escape from where they are, those in prison. Pray for those who are ill in the hospital, looking for healing and recovering, particularly those in our own community. We particularly pray for Rita Hunter, for Heather Morrow, 
Pat Smith, Patricia Overton, for Brett McKenzie, for Connie Orcutt recovering from back surgery, family of Connie May, and Ryder Friday, who is nine, who is in a motorcycle crash while racing last week and broke his jaw and his pelvis, and also for his parents. We just pray that your healing power goes to all those people and those who are dear to our own hearts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. We're going to just pass around uh, the plate now. Um, so please do feel free uh, to give um, today. And Susan's going to play some music just to encourage you. <laughs>